Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and heated seat subscriptions. Like and subscribe. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 339. So by the time this episode comes out and hits your ears, unless you're in Twitch chat right now, um, there will be an announcement video for Anon XOR um, that will have Project Snacky in it. So I'll post those links in like the, uh, the Slack channel, so macfred.com slash Slack, and it will be on like the podcast page and that kind of stuff. But I am super excited because I, I had to like record like all the B-roll over the weekend, and uh, I saw some of the previews of the video, and I am so excited to like unleash Snacky to the world. So, so in the next few days, the announcement video will be available. Where's it? Where's it going to be available? I'm sure you'll you'll tweet it out, right? And it'll yeah, be on it's YouTube. on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. And and this is like, this is what all of the work that you've been doing with Snacky has kind of led up to, right? Yeah, led up to. The funny thing is, is a lot of the B roll. There's a lot of details that have just kind of come together on Snacky. That won't be in the B-roll, so you won't see it until it hits. Well, I'll probably actually just post the actual picture soon uh, of Snacky. Um, like, there's, like, I updated some, like, buttons. So, like, it has a keyboard on it, or keypad, I should say, that's got, like, A through G or L or something. A through L or something like that, but then 0 through 9. Well, we want... It's, uh, it's hacking, right? So, we only wanted hex numbers. So, like, you know, 0 through F. And so for the extra like five keys that are not hex characters, um, we put like our own emojis and icons on them. I got um, a I got a text with images of them earlier this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Without context, and, it's probably confusing. <laughs> no, no. Actually, the funny thing is it's not confusing at all. It's just very Anod XOR. It's just like oh, all because yeah. I because I, you know, I, I'm not involved in Anod XOR, but I've seen uh our I've, stuff. I've 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 been I've been adjacent to you guys for years now and so like every one of these symbols was like yeah that that makes sense yeah 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 so i think there's (laughs) like especially from the badge last year which one of the things about the badge last year which was more of like a solder challenge in a way Mm -hmm. uh a a lot of the ref des uh, or the reference designators on the pcb were all symbols chosen by the anod xor guys and these are quite akin to that yeah 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 um that was a lot of the inspiration came from was from like last year's badge. And then, uh, the, uh, like we added like the, um, the logo for DEF CON and stuff like that on it. So, um, and then I got like the, uh, the coin acceptor. I finally finalized it because we don't want like people to put money into this machine, especially like in Vegas. Like we don't want it to accept money at all. Um, least the you know head honchos of of the casino come bearing down on you for taking money at a casino right mm. uh, that's not something you won <laughs> <laughs> right right right, um, right right so the so like the the bill acceptor is completely gone it's been gone for a long time but the uh, coin acceptor s- still existed and so i actually like 3d modeled a replacement for it that kind of like blocked it off and just making a block off plate would be boring, right? So it's got like the XOR logo in it. And then I made like a cavity behind it. And so like LEDs are behind it. So we can like flash it and like change the color of it and that kind of stuff. It's like those little details didn't make it into the video yet. But um, I'll post pictures when the video comes out. Because like, well, you, also, gotta, you, gotta, it, you gotta leave more content beyond the video. Yeah. But like the biggest visual change about snacky didn't make it the video as well oh are you allowed to spill the beans on what that is uh i will after the podcast so like okay if you're in the twitch chat you'll see it after the podcast um and then of course when the video comes out i'll post the updated pictures of it for sure so for those listening when we mentioned the twitch chat we do the live recording of this podcast every week on Twitch. So twitch.tv slash macrofab. We record every Tuesday uh, at, uh, what is it, 6 Central? 
Yeah, six o'clock is usually when we go live, and then it's we when talk we go live. Like, that's not necessarily when we record. So we started recording at seven o'clock today. <laughs> well, usually we pregame and we hang out with the people in the Twitch chat. So, yeah. so I think it's worth just saying if you want to come and hang out with us and be a part of the live recording. A lot of times we we you know we hang out before and after the podcast, but we also answer questions during the podcast. So. Tuesday, six o'clock central. Uh, get on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv/slash/macrofab and come hang out with us. Yep. So yeah, um, super excited to finally get that released to the world. Um, hopefully, people really like it. Hopefully, uh, people. I want people to like be like lose their minds over over this thing. That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, okay. So if you were to put a percentage on things, how far along or how done is Snacky? Is it like done done or is it like just enough for a video done? Oh, uh, it's actually it's almost it's pretty much completely done. Like, OK, so stuff it's like, like ready to go. It's game day. Almost. Yeah, we could ship it now. Um, we're going to okay. keep adding stuff, of course, because we basically we finally we hit our minimal the viable MVPs. product. <laughs> yeah, the MVP. We hit the MVP like last week, basically. And we cleaned up some code over the weekend and tested some stuff, got it all working there. Um, but like we could go to DEF CON right now with it, which is great. Um, so the. Uh, um, but we're just going to make improvements because there's there's there's. The MVP list is like nine items long, and then like the actual list is like 132. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we're basically like picking the easy stuff, the stuff that we know we can at least finish in how yeah. short of a time we have now. Because we don't want to pick something that's like, oh, that's going to take like a month to implement. Like there's no way we're going to be able to finish it by then. So we're just picking small stuff like putting, like making the, the coin like, uh, acceptor spot like light up now like adding more led patterns adding um the uh oh what was the other thing i was talking oh like the, the custom button icons like that kind of stuff is little thing little things that actually in my opinion like once i put that stuff on i'm like okay okay this is now like it feels right it's like it's like the last like five percent feels like 40 to 50% of the project in terms of like how it ends up looking, right? Like the, those little fine oh, sure. details really make the project stand out from other things. Yeah, um, I, you know, it's funny. I, I had a project that I'm finishing up at work that that is very similar to to that. I've been working on it for a very long time. Uh, and it does it does literally hundreds of things but today i just finished or kind of like put the the last nail in the coffin in terms of one of my switch mode power supplies had a uh, had a, a a kind of a situation if you if you applied power in a particular way it would have an undesirable result in terms of turn on and today i kind of just solved that which was undesirable. funny because well, like it would just turn on in a different manner that i wanted it didn't like ramp okay. up properly kind of thing and and it it was like a really edge casey thing that n most people would never even experience it. It, it would mm -hmm. be hard to put in that situation. But like all of the functionality had nothing to do with how this switch mode supply came up. But uh, I kind of got a solution for that today. And just because of that one little thing, like it feels done now. Yeah, yeah. You you finally hit those that last couple little little spots, right? Yeah. That really makes it so that when you like stand back at your project and you go, yeah, there we go. Yeah, they, they, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so I've got some questions for you uh, about mm -hmm. about Snacky and 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 in particular about the video that's going to come out. Uh, I was I was hoping we could watch it today, but but I'll, I'll keep me my too. I was, I was I was hoping it would come out today. It's going to be later this week. Sure. So so let's ask some questions in, in anticipation of this video. Here's the thing. Me, I, I, I consider myself to be an audience member when it comes to this because I know in general that Snacky is a vending machine and 
there is hacking um, possibilities with Snacky. Mm -hmm. That's what I know about this entire project. I mean, I get videos from Parker or pictures from Parker, and they're like, like RGB, super cool LED, like, but then like half machine. the image but, is but censored. Like, <laughs> well, sure, but 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 here's the thing: like at the end of the day, it's like okay, cool. It's still just a vending machine, and so what does this video or will this video give all of us the audience more of an idea of like what's to come with it or is it just like a teaser of a snack machine <laughs> both okay okay both um because because the, the 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 minimal viable product for snacky was it to hold our badges and then it could vend the badges. That's like, right. was like the thing. And we That's wanted it. it to not accept money. So we wanted it so we could, you, you could punch in codes into Snacky and it would vend based off those codes. That, that was like goal one. Snacky has turned into almost its own member of Anna XOR. Okay. And the video will hopefully explain more about that when it comes out <laughs> what that what well, does that mean i i guess i guess like oh say if say if i was to attend defcon this year um and i were to seek out snacky would this video give me more ideas on how to interact with snacky would this video give me more like yes uh, guidance on what to do um maybe not guidance but at least uh give you some idea of what snacky is supposed to be at least for this defcon okay and then one more question will this video help me find snacky because uh that i don't uh, that's part of something right yeah i don't know if we because we actually don't know exactly where snacky is going to be at defcon uh because defcon hasn't told us yet and uh, basically, it's kind of like we show like we already have clearance and everything to make this work. Like so that's right. not the problem. It's like we don't know exactly where it's going to be, though. I think it's going to be it's going to be on the show floor somewhere. <laughs> that's about all I can say right now. But okay. Yeah, we okay. know it's going. It's allowed to be there. It will be have, there. It will be at DefCon for sure. Okay. And it's going to be like at the actual show. It's not going to be at like a random hall or something. I guess I guess the thing is like okay obviously there is a way to input information into hacky or mm -hmm. hacky snacky. snacky uh you have to hacky snacky and uh there is a way to receive something from snacky yes something from snacky the, 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 but me being an outsider on this thing I'm I'm okay so obviously I'm I'm like okay so I've got that right but what do I need to do to figure out what the input to Snacky is? And of course, that's the game, right? That That's actually part of the challenge, too, is figuring out what you need to do to get whatever is in there. Right, right. Okay. That's that's part of the challenge. It'd be too easy if we told you the starting point. We gave you the endpoint. You have the endpoint. Now you have to figure out all the other steps. This is a backwards game. Uh, yeah. Totally a backwards game where uh, it's like uh, the opposite of last year. Last year, you gave all the starting points. Yeah. And and you said, had no idea like, what you're supposed to end. With. You have no idea what the <laughs> end point was, right? Like, yeah, I got lucky and I guessed it correctly. Yeah, you but... did guess it. Right. Well, you were able to you looked at the schematic and we're like, OK, I know what the, I know what that topography looks like. I didn't have a schematic. <laughs> I had a I had a I had a just well, you board. drew it out only a part of it yeah but you drew out enough of it where yeah. you're like okay i know this i'm recognizing this topography now yeah 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 also led and a trimmer pot uh, like kind of <laughs> kind of gives it away right a little bit <laughs> yeah 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 last but, year's uh, badge was last year's badge was a lot of fun how, how many people i guess finished the badge or built it to i, its I don't know i haven't checked how many people actually finished it um, or if we even released like what it was. Well, we did on the podcast. Oh, you're right. We did. So last year it was like a, it was a kit to build a discrete five, five, five timer, but you got a board and a bag of parts and that was it. And like some clues. And so there was a scythe, like all the reference designators were symbols 
and we actually gave a cipher that you had to solve for the reference de designators. And there was a couple different ways to solve the the um, the solve the uh, cipher. Like you could brute force it, you could actually solve it, um, or you can do like process elimination. I think it was like we saw like all different ways of people solving it, which was really cool. Um, there were some people like you, Stephen, that just like didn't even look at the cipher and just basically started doing a pinout <laughs> diagram, yep. and yep, then was yep. like, "Okay, I know what this is." <laughs> so yep. yeah, there was people yep. who did that, um, and then there was like a puzzle on the front with like faces. And so we had like clues how to figure out like what the faces were and how to make that work. That that was a lot of a, a lot of fun for being a simple-ish pro, like hardware project, but the puzzles that went into it made it a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and it's simple because it's like self-contained and yeah, it was it's like all like like everything you need to know is in your hand effectively. Yeah, and then like um, what uh, there was like a sheet of paper that came with it. Yeah, or you could get that same information I think on the website. Yeah, the yeah, um, for sure. Now here's the thing: the board layout, like reverse engineering this board layout, is a little bit of a pain because we, uh, on purpose. Well, of, of course, yeah. But <laughs> the thing about it is, like, it's on purpose. It was done manually this way, but it looks like somebody did a really crappy auto route algorithm yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> Like this, the traces snake and go through a bunch of vias unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Like if, yeah. if you're looking yeah. at it from like a, a, a design standpoint, it's like, oh my God, this is horrible. So, so Zap, Zap did the uh, board layout for that board. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And Zap is a better board layout than that board shows. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Like that this, PCB this is, looks this awful. Is purposefully bad. Purposely bad. Yeah. There, there are yeah. This this looks like my first PCB. Like, and, and I'm not saying like Stephen Craig's. I'm just saying like anyone's first PCB. Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of vias that just go nowhere, and that kind of stuff. No, there's it's red herring traces everywhere. Yeah, that was the point though. It was to yeah. make it harder for someone to do it that way, and uh, but you did it anyways, and and got the solution. So, well, okay, so. Parker will probably be silent on this. So I'm just, this is a Stephen Craig uh, a, you know, prediction here or prophecy. <laughs> let's just put it this way. And not XOR. Prophecies. And not XOR has always been about badges, and DEF CON is all about badges. So I'm prophesying that Snacky dispenses badges. So there's yeah, probably Parker. a 50 50 chance of that being a true. Okay. D depending on how you uh, define what the word badge is sure yeah see yeah i knew he'd be silent about it <laughs> very cool okay well yeah, I, 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 i'm i'm excited to see the video and then i'm excited to see how it all turns out like yeah if it's a giant flop you guys still had fun with it but i bet you like the defcon people like yeah it's going it's it's to attendees will love it yeah i think people are going to really <laughs> like it um and Part of it is we've we've had you know what I'm not I'm just gonna shut up about it because I don't want to I don't want to spoil any more about the video because like if anything I say more about it it's gonna spoil the it's gonna ruin the fun. Well, especially, we will especially just wait the people, yeah, especially the people who have been like following Anna XOR for a long time and have kept up with the lore. Yes, there's lore. Of course, there um, is. and uh, something about Matt Damon. Like it has this, to this lore, so yeah. Um, this is a continuation of lore, so I'm, I'm super it. excited. Yeah. So next year, it's got to have a little motor on it, and it drives around and like re repositions itself, right? Like Snacky automatically moves every hour. That'd or be something like that. A 500 pound machine moving itself <laughs> around, driving scary. itself around. <laughs> that sounds like something from Futurama. <laughs> yeah. And it just falls on people and kills them. Yeah. Yep. That'd be to the Crushinator. <laughs> but I love him, Pa. <laughs> Episode two of, of, of uh, Futurama. Man, my wife and I Such watched that show. the other day. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Especially early on. The humor was just spot on. I, I liked all like even like the movies and stuff. And when they came back. The, sh the show Futurama came back. 
Um, I liked all that. So yeah, um, I know it was, it was definitely weaker in the in the in the end of the series. It got weaker, but uh, yeah, I, I'd still watch it if it was still on show. I mean, people still watch uh, South Park and Simpsons. So I I I restarted Red Dwarf the other day, and that's one of the best television shows that has ever existed. Oh man, I've completely like. This is that intro for that that <laughs> that show. It's amazing. I'm actually so shocked. Like, yeah, because I uh, what was it? it? Must have been like a year ago. I, I was wa- rewatching some select episodes, and I'm like, I'm like, man, the CG actually holds up because there's no CG. It's just like they film models. <laughs> they and they filmed like CRTs. Yeah, <laughs> <know>? yeah. <laughs> It's, it's actually surprisingly how good it looks for how low budget it was. You know, it might be also there's a lot of resolution. charm because of that. Yeah, there's a lot of charm. It's also super low resolution. Like, I don't think you can get a copy of it in more than 360p like resolution. Like, there's no yeah, high possibly. definition copies of this yeah. show. So that might be part of it. It's like they, they math like early on. Kraken looks awful. <laughs> the makeup is terrible. Yeah, the robot, like the first season, he showed. Is it season like two? He shows up. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit later. Yeah, it, the first season of the Cry because he's only in a couple episodes too. He's not in like they didn't really make him a full on character. Is it Kryken? Yeah, because he was like a maid at first. Is is his character a Kryton? Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, like it's kind yeah, of Crichton. funny. Be- yeah, his his uh, his makeup was like wrinkled and like yeah, fairly like applied. melting. <laughs> <He> melted. <laughs> it's like wax almost. But then and then like yeah. they made him a real character, like a re- reoccurring character at least, and they yeah. fixed it. And like he actually looks really good, like as a character. Yeah, yeah later on, his character. God, the first amazing. episode was so bad of his, his makeup. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I I I I've rewatched that that show three or four times, and yeah, it's good easy. every single time. Every single time. Yeah. All right, let's let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to the next. Topic. I'm just remembering some like scenes in that show now. Oh yeah, <laughs> like a replaying in my brain. If, if you, okay. for those listening, if you haven't seen it, classic British humor in space. Oh, yeah, yeah, so good. Okay, so uh, I spent a little bit more time on Project Diff Probe, which uh, for those who have not uh, heard about it, I'm designing a differential probe for my oscilloscope. Uh, so this last week, I started looking at teardowns of other diff probes to try to kind of get some ideas because last week I looked at topologies and started figuring out stuff. And frankly, diff probes are, are like the, the fundamentals of them is pretty simple. I mean, they're, they're basically. Uh, we went over it last week. They're, they're basically voltage dividers at, into an instrumentation amp. Effectively, mm-hmm. that's that's what they are. They start getting fancy when you need really high precision, really high accuracy, really high bandwidth. That's when they start getting all the extra fancy stuff. So I was like, okay, let me let me take a look at uh, some teardowns of some other diff probes, and I found some on like EV blog and stuff. And uh, and I really I wanted to see what kind of op amps they were using to just get an idea for what I'm doing. And one of them I found used an op amp, uh, an ADA forty eight seventeen, which is a pretty crazy op amp. It's not cheap. It's like a twelve dollar in singles op amp that uh, it comes in uh, single and dual flavors. They uh, here's some of the specs on this though. It has two pico amp typical input bias, which is nothing, yeah, right? Nothing. It's very very low. But as we talked about last week that the, your input bias current has to come from somewhere and that's going through your voltage divider, which mm-hmm. is really high impedance. So you need it to be very, very low. So this op amp also has a negative three dB bandwidth of uh, 10, 50 megahertz. So a gigahertz basically. So just yeah. ridiculously fast. It has super, super low input capacitance, like 1.3 picofarads. Um, and you can easily combine them together to make an instrumentation amplifier. Uh, so you get a you get a dual package to make your 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 positive minus buffer, and then yep. you get the single package and throw it all together with some resistors and make some gain. And so uh, I was looking at at potentially using this ADA because I was like, hey, it's in another diff probe. 
maybe I could just design around that too and, and kind of copy them. One of the things that, that sucks though is it only has a 10 volt voltage range. So that's either zero to 10 on a uh, single rail or it's negative five to five, five. plus five, yeah. which is sort of exactly what I was trying to avoid last week because I wanted to expand my voltage rails to be able to get some extra voltage handling in it without having to make my voltage divider so ridiculous and go to like 500x attenuation. Yeah. Like at some and, point, and you lose like, a lot of resolution on your scope you, side. You lose a lot of, exactly, exactly. You lose so much resolution that like eventually I, I could easily make the probe require a scope that's better than the scope that I have. So I don't want that. Like I yeah. want it to still work within like my test capability. So uh, the, the ADA uh, 4817, just basically because of the voltage range, it, it kind of sucks, but I wanted to use those characteristics about it. Like the really low input bias and things like mm -hmm. that. I wanted to go and search for other things like that, but it got me thinking, um, perhaps, Perhaps I was looking at this wrong. Why why go look at individual op amps? Why not just go look at integrated instrumentation amplifiers? Which it might be easier to just buy an instrumentation amplifier because a lot of times they already have uh, like laser trimmed gains on the inside. All the resistors are just basically well done ratios on mm. silicon. Yeah, and everything's on us uh, on the same substrate so that all your temperature coefficients go up and down at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that might actually end up be being the way that I go on this. I, so the thing that I've found though, is the highly integrated instrumentation amps. So like all in one packages tend to not have as good characteristics as just the singles. So making it discrete still seems superior, at least in, in terms what of I've found. Yeah, and so engineering's always just a series of educated compromises. It's it's just a matter of like, do I care about whatever? Do I want this to be all one monolithic package, or do I want to go through the exercise of uh, designing discrete op amp circuits? Which this is pretty minimal. So I don't know. Like I still haven't decided on it. But er earlier today, I. I was looking at these integrated instrumentation amps and I ran into one, which is the INA 12 and uh, it's INA 12 X because there's a, a handful of different flavors involved in this. The, the, the thing about Cherry. this, so Grape. what's nice about this. Orange. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> lime. <laughs> this, uh, what's, what's nice about these integrated, amps is you can control the gain of the whole circuit with a single resistor so if you wanted to have different ranges for your uh, for your diff probes you could just put like a rotary switch or even just like a two pole switch and have it switch different resistor values connected to two pins on these uh instrumentation amps and then you can control the gains on things the thing that uh is not as good with this instrumentation amp is it doesn't have as wide of a bandwidth something i've already said like i'm you know, I don't need a gigahertz bandwidth no. on my stuff, but uh, it it has fairly high input bias current of fifty nanoamps. So it is, you know, an order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude above the uh, the ADA forty eight seventeen. But at the same time, this INA twelve X can handle plus minus I think eighteen volt rails. So I get the voltage rails with. Ooh, you get 32 volts of a uh, rail. Yeah, yeah. Much, much larger uh, rail capability, which gives me greater voltage capability. So I don't like it's It's all just like different sliders uh, on mm -hmm. your design where like you move one slider and another one goes up or down. Like, which one do I actually care about the most? So I think I'm going to keep looking in the integrated instrumentation amp um, world and see if I can get the best of that. If I can't, then I'll revert back to doing discrete op amp because I know with discrete op amps, I can, you can just spend your way to precision with that's those. actually what I'm doing right now <laughs> on Mauser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just pick really, really good, really, really good op amps. Um, but there's one thing I wanted to, one of the reasons why I, I, I'm even brought up this INA 12 X is I ran into something I've never seen before. 
back in college, I did a little tiny bit of investigation into biomedical engineering, mainly because I had some friends that were there and I was like, okay, so what, what, what is biomedical engineering? If, if you go to the, if you go to the data sheet for this INA 12 X, uh, instrumentation amp and on page 27, they have a circuit that I had never seen before. And it literally shows this instrumentation amp and then just wires connected to this silhouette of a human body. Yeah. (laughs) And they, 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 the title of this circuit, this example circuit was right leg drive, which a lot of people listening to this are probably like, duh. Yeah. You haven't heard of this. Like, no, I've never heard of right leg drive before. In fact, there's a whole Wikipedia article about this. So, Right leg drive is an actual circuit block that exists for let, let me let me see if I if I can get this right. Um, let me let me pull it up real quick. Uh, so it, it, in fact, it's it's not even it's big enough that it even has an acronym just DRL drive right leg, I suppose. Uh, but this is used in ECG, EEG and EMG circuits for measuring basically vitals of of the human body you can actually inject a drive signal into go figure the leg of a human being and if you're trying to monitor some really low voltage aspects of whatever's happening in the body this right leg driving technique actually drives down noise in uh in in the specimen i suppose if you want to say it that way specimen yeah, so, okay, let's see here. Uh, let, let me read this right from the Wikipedia article. The patient's body can also act as an antenna, which picks up electromagnetic interference, especially 50, 60 hertz noise from power lines. The interference can obscure the biological signals, making them hard to measure. Right leg drive circuitry is used to eliminate interference noise by actively canceling the interference. Super crazy. I, I never, I, I never, first of all, like, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole system, but I didn't know that it was such a thing that it has like its own like definition enough to be part of a data sheet for an instrumentation amplifier, which is pretty cool. And, and of an course, en- an engineer had to draw that person too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It it kind of looks like an engineer drew them too. I, I like how at least the one on the Wikipedia page. I don't know if it's the same as the data sheet one. Well, on the Wikipedia page, like the person's hands only it's like they have mittens on because like you just <laughs> see like the the thumbs like the hands themselves don't have fingers, but the feet also is the same way. Like there's just a toe, like a big toe. <laughs> One big the other toe. toes don't exist. <laughs> you know, OK, hands are notoriously difficult to draw. So some engineer drew that hand and they're like, oh, my God, I finally got it. Copy, paste, flip around, put on <laughs> the other mirror. arm. <laughs> it It does kind of look like that yeah um i i find that to be super fascinating i'd love to know some more like what are bio circuit tricks that i'm not aware of um i I got i got another thing i'd like like to hear about yeah what is the craziest thing you had to draw for engineering like on a schematic Oh god! So like, so, so a engineer had to draw this human. <laughs> yeah, on a data sheet. What's like? I love to hear people say in our Slack channel about like what's the craziest thing you've had to draw on, on like a data sheet or a yeah. And schematic. and and I love that. I love that too because if it goes on a data sheet or if it goes on a drawing, then it's necessary. It's not like you just put a drawing of a human because you wanted to like yeah. it, it needed like in fact that's one of the hallmarks of drawings is like they only contain the stuff that you need right mm-hmm. so what's the craziest thing you've had to draw you and know, I, want, I, suppose- I want i want to see the examples too you can't just say as metacolin said in our chat a cat i want to see a picture of this cat that you drew for a schematic yeah we've talked about this in the past um the the like the way patent drawings are done has such like a specific way and and what i love about it i i talked to a a patent lawyer who was an engineer years ago about it and he just told me we do that because it's tradition like there's no actual reason why you have to do that way 
they look that way out of tradition and like nobody breaks that tradition. Hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, Metacolin mentions a cat in the Twitch stream. There is a, there's a great, um, patent for the method through which to massage your cat. So it's basically just petting your cat. There's an actual patent for that. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of, like a whole page of different like pictures of people petting cats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got showed that because I went to a um I I went to a law office once to talk about patenting a uh, a circuit that I had, and and they had a binder full of things where it's like these are examples of things that seem crazy that people have patented, and they showed me that, and it was just like <laughs> here's how to pet your cat. Technically, somebody has a patent on it. Yeah. <laughs> So I, yeah, if anyone knows of, you know, other circuits like the driven left leg circuit or, or other things of that sort, like <laughs> I'd like put it in the Slack channel. Cause I'm super curious about this now. <laughs> I've done no biomedical engineering. Um, this, when I saw that, I was like, no way. That's super cool. I like how it just shows up in a data sheet though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the second I saw it, I was like, okay, like this, this absolutely makes sense that, that you could drive the human body to a different pr- potential to yeah. uh, basically increase your SNR, right? To, yeah. uh, you know, because like this, the type of signals you're trying to get off the human body, it's not like you have a, a 15 volts of playroom. You have microvolts, right? So, um, yeah. And, and and I and I bet you like the the kind of circuits that are in these data sheets are fairly primitive compared to what you actually see in in practice. But maybe not. Maybe maybe you can just you know use the data sheet circuit and get really damn close. Mm-hmm. I don't know that now I have a different respect for the biomedical people at school because I was always like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Poking wires at people. Yeah. I tried to get extra credit one time in a um, in a lab I was doing where it's like if I write a paper about pain threshold and getting shocked will you get will you give me extra credit and the TA thought about it for a while <laughs> he was actually like about to do it. <laughs> but I think there's some uh some, some ethical legal, re- danger. legal and ethical reasons legal and ethical reasons why he but he, but he thought about it all right so we got to, we we have one other topic to uh, to touch on tonight um i found this earlier this week and immediately like it went right to parker uh, <laughs> yeah because I, I was actually surprised that i had found it before parker yeah parker, i hadn't heard about this yet Parker's usually more in tune with this kind of stuff, but maybe I just got lucky on it. So apparently BMW, the car manufacturing company is now posed or poised to offer heated seat subscriptions. So which is the weirdest thing to ever think about. So we'll post up a, uh, an article about this on the blog, but um, the, so BMW is, installing heated seats in in cars that are available first of all the, to, to to mention this is not happening in the usa right now but this is happening in a handful of other countries uh so these heated seat subscriptions they will turn on your heated seat and you can pay 18 dollars a month 180 dollars for a year 300 dollars for three years or 415 dollars for unlimited use of your heated seats in your car yeah, what gets me about this is you have is usually subscription based stuff is based off of software, right? That you can easily because there's no there's no monetary like if you turn something off in software, you don't actually have to like physically remove anything. Like you just like that that part of the software doesn't work, or the software itself, the whole thing doesn't work, right? Like. If you have like Autodesk or Eagle or Altium, like you don't pay your subscription, it doesn't work anymore, right? Um, but this is hardware that's installed in a car that you have to have a subscription for. And Craft Lab and Chat has a really good, uh, really good thing for it is XM radio in your car 
is very similar. You have to have an XM radio receiver. It's a piece of hardware, but it only works if you have a subscription to basically transcode it into audio, right? Um, oh, I guess that's true too, Kreflip. Like roadside assistance with like uh, the little on blue star. button. OnStar and that kind of stuff. Um, similar to that, but people don't really think of that as extra stuff, really. Because this is something that is an... Because what was it? Um, like OnStar is like installed in all of whatever... Is it GM? I can't remember who it is. All their cars. And it's like free for a while, then you have to pay for it if you want it still. So it's the same thing with XM Radio. It's the same way. It like comes with free for like a year for a lot of cars and you have to pay for it later. Um, but when uh, BMW has other things on this list that have subscriptions to them. Like if you actually go to the BMW's website, there's other things. And most of them are like luxury items too, like heated seats and like heated steering wheel and that kind of stuff. Um, but the monetary value of installing heated seats. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into a seat to make that work versus software that you can turn on and off. Like for example, like XM radio, sure there's a radio, but it's, but usually it's actually packaged with like the rest of your radio package now. Like it's built into the FM and AM transmitter uh, receivers, I should say stuff. It's like, it's built into it. Whereas this is a feature that requires its own subsystem that won't work unless you pay a subscription fee. It's weird. That's such a weird concept. I, what I wonder is, <clears throat> will this just be a, a, a new avenue for hacker, you know, hackers to come in and and unbrick your seat? Yeah, because it, it probably just plugs into CAN bus. Like that's how it knows that you paid for it but it's like you you can just man in the middle attack can bus really easily it's not encrypted yeah i was about to say yeah like you could just put you know buy whatever like little widget that costs ten dollars that goes in the middle of the can bus and you spoof yeah. it right yeah or you just put it on off switch right it's just right. big old resistors in your seat <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is just going to be ripe territory for that kind of stuff. But it also starts to beg the question is like, okay, so things that felt more fundamental and I, and I understand that like heated seats are not fundamental. They still exist in a luxury category. But how many more things are going to end up being subscription models? Yeah. Um everything. <laughs> that everything. Yeah. Um the I was thinking about this is like, what's next on a car then that gets subscription based? Um, and they already have, you can already get V8 engines that have what's called displacement on demand, DOD. And basically it's like your V8 turns off like two cylinders to save fuel. Okay. But what if, what if it was subscription based displacements? Or or dis <laughs> you want or displacement you, want V8, you pay for it yeah displacement as a service so I think the idea of what BMWs maybe this is casting a big benefit of doubt which is probably not it's honestly it's probably just greed right it's just they're trying to extract more money that's that's it, cer it certainly it feels that way. I, and I guarantee you with a company their size, there's some financial analyst out there who weighed like, okay, so if we install heaters in every single car, if we create a, a subscription model with this, we, uh, you know, this, these tiers, we can expect X amount of return that makes it's more worthwhile for us to just install them in every car. Yeah. Or so, every model. Cause that's the thing is it will cost them, they go to less SKUs. So let's, let's say instead of building how, like if you go onto like, let's say BMW's website and you custom built a car with whatever options you wanted, they have to technically, their line has to be able to build all those different options. So you could have hundreds of different kinds of cars for one model, right? Because you have different mm -hmm. options. Well, Flavors. if you, if you slammed all those options into one car, 
So you only had one car to one car that model to sell, and then you subscription it. One, your manufacturing costs might go down because they'll probably just upward display. They're gonna get their money. That's the yes, thing. So, absolutely. So are they gonna pass the savings on them collapsing their catalog to one car onto the customer? Probably not, but we would like to think that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what's going on here is. Um, they're looking at reducing manufacturing overhead and making up the difference with a subscription service for those features instead of just being like, well, now a BMW costs all of them now costs 70 K because they have all the options. I don't know how much a BMW costs nowadays, but let's just say if you basically all the cars on the lot will be fully loaded in terms of features, but you yeah. only pay what you want in a subscription those options well i'm sure i'm sure they're also thinking okay i mentioned earlier it was you know they have different tiers but it's 415 dollars for the quote unlimited subscription to it perhaps they they realize or 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 there's some kind of psychology behind oh it's just 415 extra dollars you know when i purchase the car just tack that on i'm already you know taking out a loan for this and that just squeezes a little bit more out of the yeah, it could be the purchaser. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this this is starting to cross into like what do you own realm? And if you buy something that has all this hardware that you can't actually use, like do you actually what what's the terms and conditions of this car now? Hmm. Yeah, do um, you void the warranty by turning on the the heater? Do you void the warranty of the entire car if you hack the seats? Probably. I bet you yes. Probably. Oh yep, yeah. yeah, almost guaranteed, right? Yeah. So, I guess if you um, man in the middle, you have to take the man in the middle out before you yeah. <laughs> go take it into the shop. But going back to like what is next, like displacement on demand. So like your V eight's actually like a V six all the time, unless you like put a couple like it has like a bill acceptor, and so you like put money into the dash. That seems horribly inefficient. What? Like you're lugging around extra engine. Well, it's for it's for when you're driving on the freeway at constant speed. That's why they they will turn off the cylinders then where your engine because your engine at that point is capable of making more power, but it doesn't need that power. So it will deactivate some cylinders. Well, but but what I'm saying is like for oh. you know if you buy the eight and it deactivates two or even four and you're driving no you don't around buy it with no you're not you're you're not buying the engine you're buying the idea of an engine and it <laughs> yeah, has as many cylinders the capability as you, yeah the capability no the potential the potential <laughs> there you go um oh god or or what about what salesperson came up with this idea or what about cloud based displacement so like hmm. as as like fast as you put the throttle down it charges you more but it's like a per rate like you know like like uh, like aws or like uh microsoft azure or all those clouds like you get paid per like how much data you're transferring how much fuel consumption your car is taking now is a description the fuel's free it's the consumption rate you have to pay for well, maybe we're getting off in the weeds here. That kind of concept, I totally expect something akin to that when it comes to the future of electric vehicles. Oh, when, yeah. Uh, I, for, yeah. For, I you know, true. gas tax right now, like if, if, if everyone were to switch over to electric vehicles, that gas tax, the government doesn't get that, they would find a new way to tax you. Yeah. So um, uh, something of that sort where it talks to the mothership and you get charged you know, some progressive tax based off of your accelerator pedal, then sure. <laughs> I always thought about, uh, I've never really liked gas taxes because they don't accurately represent your use of the, because they it, in, in the United States, your gas tax basically pays for the roads and um, in your state, it's state-based. Uh, and actually, sometimes it's like even county-based. Like in Texas, it, like the gas price or tax can vary by county as well. Um, but you don't have to worry about it. It's just rolled into whatever the sign says at the gas station, right? So you don't have to worry about it. Um, so the, I always thought when you go get your inspection done for your car is when you would pay the tax 
for how many miles you so i would say if you actually wanted accurate representation it would be how many tires does your car put on the pavement how much does your car weigh and then how many miles and then that goes into some formula that spits out a dollar amount and that's how much you pay for taxes because that's honestly what the wear would be it's like if well, you drive a really heavy car it would like a tesla teslas are very heavy or any electric car is very heavy compared to their gasoline counterpart they would wear they wear the road more than their equivalent gasoline car but but at the same time, I think you could also make an argument for aggressive drivers likely wear the road more than conservative drivers. Oh, yeah, yeah. You so could. if you're accelerating and braking like a freaking madman, I think we all know people who drive like that. Just just that alone. I mean, I guess I guess that's tried to be taken up by by fuel prices. If you drive like that, you're probably going to spend more. You're burning fuel. more fuel too. Yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, you probably do quite a bit more damage to the road system than someone who's more conservative. I, it's probably not linear, in other words. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. It just, uh, with the advent of electric vehicles, it's something we have to figure out. Well, figure out, but I, I think right now it's not figured out, and it's to be expected. Oh, yeah, for sure. We will have to pay somehow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, the government will get its money one way or another. Absolutely. Just how it gets it is a different way. Right. Yeah, I guess let's wrap up this podcast. I think that's it. Yeah. So yeah. that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. Thank you, yes, you are a listener for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or drawing that you've done on a schematic and want to share with us, tweet us at MacFab at Longhorn Engineer or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com, or go to our Slack channel, MacFab.com slash Slack, um, and check out our live stream. It is Tuesdays, 6 o'clock Central Time. Uh, is when we start. It's twitch.tv slash macrofab. We usually go to around 8-ish p.m. Central Time as well. Um, and uh, yeah, have fun out there.